Welcome, everyone. It's a good day to be in God's Word. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. Our program is presented by the International Disciple-Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. Let me encourage you to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world. You can learn more about our work by going to traincpe.org or to learn about our missions fellowship here in Boise, Idaho, go to breadoflifeboise.org. We're considering Paul's instruction on the gift of prophecy found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. There, Paul teaches the members of a local church the orderly way in which they are to exercise this gift. The great question for us is, does Paul's instruction for them then have any application for us now? The next question is, is this gift of prophecy that Paul was referring to back in that day in 1 Corinthians when he wrote, the same that is exercised in our day? Is the gift of prophecy that was happening then the same as what's exercised in our day? And the answer is no. There's a debate as to whether the gift of prophecy is still in the church today as it was in the day of the apostles, and I think the answer is without a doubt that it's not. No, it's not. Those prophets in that day spoke at a time when the New Testament was yet to have been completed. Their words filled the gap in an infant church, bringing the registry of truth and the revelation of truth to their lives. These prophets rose up to direct their ministry out from the apostolic witness of Jesus Christ. In other words, every prophetic voice that rose up was in response to and undergirded by the message of the the apostles themselves. You might remember that Peter, as soon as it was promised, and these apostles were promised by the Lord Jesus Christ that the Spirit would uniquely come upon them and they would remember all that he taught them and they would be, as a result, able to teach others those truths. On the first day of Pentecost, Peter goes out and he preaches Christ. At that moment, it says 3,000 believed at one time. And then it says right after that in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, that these individuals who gathered together in the church, having believed in Jesus Christ because of this apostolic proclamation, it says they continued steadfastly together for the apostles' doctrine. In other words, having been reached by the word of the apostles, they remained together, being taught on a regular basis this apostolic teaching. Paul then goes on and he encourages that this apostolic teaching be passed on from one generation of Christian to the next generation of Christian. You'll see that in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. He says to Timothy, the things that you've heard from me in the presence of many others, pass on to other faithful men that they may in turn teach others. And that is the chain of ongoing apostolic teaching or instruction. Based upon that then, they were to build forward or bring forth their prophetic word. But this church in Corinth didn't have all the books of the New Testament. They had this one letter from Paul, most likely. And they had his oral teaching and instruction. And the prophetic message was one that was, to some extent, built off of the prophetic work that God was doing in the lives of these apostles, who, by the way, had the gift of prophecy. It was expressed filling up the gaps, you might say, until God had sealed or developed and established his witness to the church that we have in this book, in our Bibles. And so, it's not quite the same way. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 29, lists the offices that God gave to the church. Let me explain to you this another way. And in it, there are, as I mentioned, these expressive gifts that come within the body, but there are office gifts as well. And the first office gift that he says they gave to the church was the gift of apostles. And right after that, he says the next gift is the gift of prophets. Now, here's what we know. We no longer have operative in the church the office of apostles. 
Because by its very definition, an apostle was an eyewitness of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was how individuals determined whether to accept these books as canon within the scripture. They had to have been written by individuals who were eyewitnesses. It had to be written from the apostolic witness. And God says that he built the church, and we are told that the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles. It's been laid. It's historically been laid. That office was answered and given to the church, and its impact is still residing within the church through the word that we have and we read, right? But we don't have apostles among us anymore. We don't have living and breathing among us eyewitnesses of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. These apostles then were commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ to take his gospel to the ends of the earth. And if you read the history of the early church, you'll discover that most of these apostles were put to death as martyrs, and they all died in strange places far away from their homeland of Judea. They followed Christ's command. They went to the ends of the earth to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now listen, we don't have apostles anymore among us, but we do have individuals who function in a giftedness in the tradition of the apostles. They have somewhat of an apostolic ministry. They're missionaries and they're church planters who are breaking new ground and they're bringing the good news to the ends of the earth and they're establishing the witness and testimony of Jesus Christ in strange places. And that's an apostolic ministry. It has an apostolic nature to it. I'm not saying they have the gift of apostleship, but it certainly is apostolic. That's why this morning I said I was going to talk to you about the prophetic ministry. I'm not sure that there are any prophets here but we have a prophetic ministry. I'll explain this to you. I've traveled overseas some years ago. I was in Indonesia. I was speaking at a seminary there. It was the Jaffrey Seminary. I was in Sulawesi, Indonesia. At the Jaffrey Seminary, 500 students sitting out. As I walked in, I was walking through, and they showed pictures of the founders of the mission on that island. And one of them was a very young man. He was a very young man, a very young Walter Post. I knew Walter Post. He was an old man who was at the church camp I used to go to when I was a kid. He used to grab the kids around us and he'd pray for us. He had been retired, but he had served for years on the mission field in Indonesia. Do you know, to them, he was their Paul. The gospel had never come in that area. He brought it to them. He proclaimed it to them. He was the missionary who was brought to them. There was another missionary I remember that camp. His name was Don Gibbons were missionaries who opened up a whole region of Erie and Jaya with the gospel witness and brought the gospel the first time. I remember it because I was a teenager and we were staying in a dormitory where all the high school boys stayed and he came one night to share with kids about his ministry in Erie and Jaya and he sat on my bed and all the kids were listening to him and it was fascinating and it registered to me as he was speaking that this was a man who had changed a nation. That's an apostolic ministry. In the same way, today, we don't have the office of prophets. God is not filling up and completing His registry of His divine word for us. We have it. It's completed for us. It's here. It's been given to us. But God continues to speak to us through individuals who have prophetic ministries. These individuals don't come and we don't establish churches by bringing a new testimony or new witness or a new revelation from God. But we... Go out among people gifted by the Holy Spirit in order to express under God's anointing and bring forth under God's anointing the truths of God's Word which point to the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't come before people, the person with a prophetic ministry, yourself, myself. We're not to go before people opining, offering our opinions. 
We don't come giving advice and consulting. We don't find three or four verses that we want to cram down and make sure these are the only things that people need to know. This is the one truth that you need to have in your life. No. We study the whole of God's Word. We study the Word. We study the church before that Word. We study the world before that Word. We pray before it. We seek God's presence in it. We gather into our hearts, into our spirits, God's truth. And then by the filling and empowering of His Spirit, we go forward to proclaim that truth, to foretell that truth, and point the body of Christ and people to the Lord Jesus Christ in all of His fullness. We are to speak in such a way and communicate in such a way that we've come before Him and before His revealed Word, seeking His illumination, being yielded and submitted to Him, that we might be able to speak and trust that God through us is speaking to others and that to your hearts, I won't bear the authority myself, but to your hearts, God will say, thus saith the Lord. I'm here and I'm speaking. This is my truth. And what Christ will say to us is He will speak all about the Lord Jesus Christ. This gift is what is thought to be expressed in our pulpits. It's what often is expressed in the conversations that God gives you to individuals. The first time that I knew that I had said a prophetic word, there was a boy in one of my classes and he was disrupting things and he was using God's name in vain and he was mocking the Lord Jesus and I wanted to make him quiet. And I turned around and I said to him, Brad, I don't know when it's going to happen, but someday Jesus is going to mean everything to you. I hope it's not going to be too late. And I was about a junior in high school and he shut up. It struck me. A couple years ago, I bumped into his wife, found out she works at a Christian school here in the area. He's a born-again follower of Jesus Christ. I told her, oh, I know your husband. I told her what I said, and I told her my statement. She goes, oh, that's funny. He says, he has no recollection of who said it to him, but he told me that when he was in high school, he was being a nuisance in one class, and someone said exactly those words to him. It stuck with him. It's a prophetic word. Even high school kids can say it. When God's Spirit moves upon them, and that's what's to take place when we gather into our pulpits, and let me just say this. If the thoughts that are being expressed in our pulpits today are not directing people, if they are not messages from Jesus, of Jesus, about the Lord Jesus, bringing people into the life of the Lord Jesus, if they're simply ethical messages, if they're just encouraging messages, if they're anecdotal messages, and the theme is not Christ and His life and His fullness, and they're not taking people deeper and deeper into the Lord Jesus, then they are nothing like what Paul is talking about here. It is not a prophetic ministry. Revelation 19.10 says, right, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. It's all about Christ. We have three more questions to ask. Let me just ask one of them. I'll ask all three of them, but I'm only going to answer one of them. How did it work is the next question I want to answer to you. And the next question after it is, how does it impact the gathering of Christians together in a place? And the next question is, how does it impact the unsaved to come under its hearing, right? But let's look first at just this last one. We'll do this last. How does it work? Well, when the prophetic word is brought forward to the church, it's to work in this way. It has to be received. When it's brought forward in the church, it has to be received. Now, it doesn't have to be received with gullibility. It has to be received with judgment, with discernment. So remember again that the people in Corinth didn't have the New Testament writings but what they did have was they had the teachings of Paul who had been among them. And they had the oral teachings of Peter who also it appears have been among them as well. And they had the teaching of Apollos who was one of the greatest teachers in the New Testament and he had been among them as well. And in this very book we'll see that he's planning and coming back to visit them and so was Paul. So they had this apostolic teaching. They didn't have the scriptures to look at but they had this apostolic teaching. 
And they were to listen to individuals who came under the impression that they had a prophetic word from God, and they were to listen to it, and they were to judge it. Verse 29 tells us they are to judge it. The word there means they are to discern what's being said. And to determine if that word is conforming with the apostolic instruction they had received. And they are to determine whether it was God's word for them. And they were to determine whether it pointed to Christ, whether it was from Christ. This is of the Lord. Have you ever had that thought before? This is of the Lord. And they were to determine whether it was something that was directing them into Christ. That's how it's always supposed to be. Not just then, it's how it's supposed to be today. We are to judge. We are not to hastily dismiss ourselves from the imparting of God's word through preaching and teaching and somehow go on to the next thing. We're to pause before God's word. We're to take it to heart. We're to pause and to judge and discern whether this is consistent with God's teaching, whether this is something that God is directing to our hearts. We don't pause and think, Lord, please reveal this to my husband. We're to discern it for ourselves, whether it is from Christ and to Christ. And then once we make that judgment of what the word is, that this was from God, this is from Christ, we're to continue judging. But now, instead of judging the message, we're to judge the recipients of the message. We're to discern our own obedient response. My part in the Word. That's our part. Thanks for listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. I want to extend to you a welcome to join our worship every Sunday at 11 a.m. in the Old White Church at 1023 East State Street in the Warm Springs area of Boise. To learn more, go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links. Until the next time, May God bless you.